0: Alright, welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. My name is Travis. I'm the host. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hoobazoo Network. You can find out more on Hoobazoo.com. I want to say thank you to my supporters, Mark Holmes of Reaper Detailing and Power Washing, Joyce Asak of Asak Real Estate, my supporters, Super Savage Solid Dressing, Bottom Gun Coffee, and Kason Shaving Company. Now, this is a special moment I'm going to get out of the frame here in a minute because I I can't do this enough justice. I want to say thank you to David Danforth of the Veterans Brotherhood Motorcycle Club for introducing me to World War II veteran, Caster Salemi, who's going to talk with me about his experience. Caster, welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Thank you. All right, sir. I I just, um, it's a big moment for me being able to do this with you and we met at their uh, benefit ride and David said hey I want you to talk to Castor Um, he's 100 years old he's sharp as a tack and he served in World War II and I was like I'm there and I show up there Castor we're at the Portuguese club in Bridgewater and I see a man like yourself you're playing with your iPhone and everything and I'm like wait a minute wait a minute He's 100 years old. First and foremost, what is your secret? Because I hope to look half as good as you when I get your age. Because I was born 50 years ago, and you were 50, 50 years ago. This is
1: crazy. Yeah. Well, the best I can relate to that is that my family, uh, which uh, my mother and father came from Sicily, and uh, I think it's the genes, because everyone in my family lived to a ripe old age. Most everyone lived beyond 90. kidding. Okay. Yeah. And I suspect that a type of diet that we live on had a lot to do with it also. I call it the Mediterranean diet.
0: Nice. Nice. So as I understand, you, your, your family came from, is Italy, Sicily, or is it two separate things?
1: Say that again? Is
0: Italy Sicily?
1: No. Okay. Well, Sicily is part of Italy. Okay, but it's... its Sicilians own... do not want to call themselves as Italians. They want to call themselves as Sicilians.
0: So, okay, so we will get this right. You're from Sicily. Your family comes over to the United States. Yeah. And, and settles here, right?
1: Yeah. My mother and father are actually born, uh, married in the United States. They came over singly. Okay. And they married in New York, and I I was born. We were one of seven, I'm one of seven children. Oh, wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's only two of us left by now. My sister is five years younger than I am. So she's 95.
0: What? So you, this was 1922 then,
1: 19, yeah, 1922.
0: 1922,
1: yes. Right,
0: right after the, the First World War. yes. Well,
1: wow. yeah, and uh, we were born on um, Avenue A on uh, in Manhattan, which was then a condemned area, and it was the uh, people had to get out. and New York City Hospital was built. There, in the meantime, we moved to Queens, the borough of Queens, is another part of uh, New York. And from there, uh, I went to school in, New- in Brooklyn at Brooklyn Tech, which is a flagship school for for New York. Okay. And uh, I got a job then with um, Sylvania Corporation. Like the, the light bulb company? Yeah, but I was in a research laboratory. Oh, wow. We, we were doing research on many things, including appliances, TV. Uh, we even did government work.
0: This is amazing. This is amazing. So, you, you do all this. Do you remember, I've always wanted to ask this to a World War II veteran, do you remember December 7th, Pearl Harbor, the attack?
1: Oh, yes. Very definitely. It was a Sunday morning. I was, the, I was at the local high school, and uh, we we're what I was watching a basketball game when they announced it, and of course the game stopped and everybody left, and uh it was difficult to imagine what was happening and until we got the papers the next day and and listened to the radio.
0: Now, had you joined the Army then, or did you join the no, Army? No.
1: Um, I uh, then got a job, um, and uh, let's see, I got a job in as as a machinist. And uh, then I was, oh, and I also tried to uh, enlist in the Navy.
0: You tried the Navy first?
1: I tried the Navy first. Unfortunately, they said, we don't want you, you you're colorblind. <laughs> of course, most men are colorblind to an extent. And uh, of course, the following year, they took anybody that could walk. And by that time, I couldn't get out of war work. Uh, and uh, we were uh, working for, for Sperry Corporation and making um, bomb sites and uh, and then I was drafted and I was drafted in January of 1943
0: so you remember Pearl Harbor you, the navy said no we don't want you
1: yeah that was in 40 40 I believe, yes, it was in 42, and they said that. 43, they took anybody that could walk. So, you were like 21 then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, young man, the Army took you, and what was that like?
1: Well, it was kind of a shock. They shipped us to uh, a camp called Camp Maxi, Texas, it was in Texas, and I mean it was in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And uh so we did our training in Texas and uh, for and then we went to uh, ship did about a year almost and then we went to California to ship out and to Riverside California. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, got on a troop ship troop ship. Um, I don't know how many troops they carried, but we did not have an escort, and we moved the ship, went down the coast of California, all the way down toward the equator, and when we reached the equator, they headed west to New Guinea.
0: So, you're going across the Pacific Ocean with zero escort.
1: Zero escort.
0: And and the Japanese subs were
1: sinking ships. yes.
0: So, what was that like, knowing that somebody underwater—
1: Pretty scary. Had to be (laughs) scary. (laughs) It was scary. Uh, But uh, the biggest part that I remember was it took 31 days before we saw land. From the time we left California, 31 days without seeing land. Just water. Unbelievable. I never realized how big the Pacific was.
0: Right, right. So you're going across Pacific, and when you, what was your first, like, place you stopped? You Say should... that? Where was the first place you stopped? We, we didn't. Oh, you didn't?
1: No, we went straight to New Guinea. As we approached New Guinea, as you could see, like a mountainous area, it was all green. I said, oh, that looks great. Except that when we debarked, I mean, we got off. That green was what they call kunai grass. was about ten feet high. <laughs> so we had our, our bayonets and we were hacking away at the grass to make ourselves a camp for the night. And uh, and we and I also remember that a lot of the food we got was World War One food. Get it was Canned food. Yep.
0: So they took the World War One food. Yeah. box it up and then put it back on ships for you all to eat.
1: No, when we were when we were on land in oh, the, in, in, in in New Guinea. They were fe- feeding it. Fortunately, we had a good cook who could, who could doctor the stuff up so he could eat it. But I remember opening some of those cans of bully beef and I swear the palm trees would wilt from the
0: <laughs> Because that food was like 20 years old. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But, you, you but I think that most most everything was going toward the European at war at that time Yeah. And uh, So we trained in New Guinea uh, for almost a year preparing oh. for the landing in the Philippines.
0: So, so your training are you doing like going from the boat to the shore and you know pushing inwards?
1: Uh, no, we just found an area, a campsite, and it was a town called Finchhofen, which hardly was a town. I mean, it made just a couple of buildings that I remember. But uh, it was just an open area, and we just cut the grass down and made ourselves a campsite. And we practiced uh, learning how to. Uh, well, of course, we had all our our training on handling the the uh, 105 howitzers. Uh, when we were in Texas. But we learned how to deal with the with the elements there because then we ran into the, the rainy season because it rained for weeks. Right. Yeah. And uh everybody was got pretty antsy at that time and the people, people would be bad. People, Colonel had us digging foxholes and things we didn't have to do but just to keep us busy. Right. But we were all preparing for the, for the invasion. That's what.
0: So you're you're in the middle of the jungle, right? Yes. Were there so, like bugs and snakes and stuff?
1: There were bugs. There were snakes and mosquitoes. And that's when MacArthur says, "You will wear long sleeves and you will wear long pants." Really. Yep. Did it work? Yep, it worked well. It didn't stop them from getting malaria. No, almost well. everybody got malaria. Did did you get malaria? No, I did not. But I did contract a uh, fungal disease, which was very common. Oh, wow. Also, uh, that happens when you, when moisture gets in areas under under the armpits, in the crotch, on your hand, between your fingers, and things like that. So I did get that. Uh, so. And. Well,
0: well. Oh, go ahead. Go
1: ahead. Uh, no, I was uh, saying then even even when we got on the um, ships to make the landing, many of those that were made the landing were propped up because they had splints on holding their arms up to give the – where they had the fungal diseases on their arms, um, but uh, unfortunately also like I said, I was in charge of uh, communications. We had our communications vehicle, which carried all the radios and uh, the telephone equipment. As it, the, the ramp let down on the landing craft, and got, the driver drove off and ran into a hole, and the whole thing sank. So we had to sit on the beach for three or four days until they gave us a whole new setup and then we raced over toward uh, Manila, but by that time Manila was already destroyed. And from there we went, headed straight north, and we battled our way all the way up from Manila to the north uh, on the island of Luzon.
0: What was it like fighting the Japanese?
1: It was rarely that you ever saw them. I mean, we we were seven miles being artillery out. it, we were probably about five to seven miles back of the front line, so we used to send off uh, observers. Uh, most of them were in these small little planes, You'd go up and observe, and we'd get the coordinates from them, and we'd fire on them.
0: But you're doing all that. You're thousands of miles from home. What were you all thinking as you're as you're going from island to island like
1: that? Well, we didn't go from island. As I said, we just landed in New Guinea and okay. then yeah. It's not like the Marines who had to fight their way out there. They did. They took the brunt of the casualties. We. At the end, by the time the end of the war came, we had lost about 10% of our own men, which in a, a battery of 200 men, we lost about 20 men.
0: It's just, it, it's hard for me to imagine that or conceive that because you, you were serving in the Philippines was the, Mac, the MacArthur time, right, where he, the president took MacArthur away from the Philippines, right? Well, he
1: landed on on a different island. Okay. Okay. But the the main invasion to free the Philippines was done on the island of Luzon. Okay. Because that's where the capital of the Philippines is. And uh, we fought our way up. We had some very serious battles all the way up.
0: He leaves president says you're 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 going away what was that like to you all when general MacArthur left
1: well actually at that time we didn't know that oh really? no we never got that information there was very little first of all we had no radio we yeah. never whatever news we got we had to come down from headquarters and
0: uh, That that's just hard for me to understand because even well, I, I didn't serve in combat, but they knew where you were pretty much all the time.
1: Yeah, we were from the time we landed in the Philippines. Yes, we were in combat.
0: But you th- no one was telling you what was going on.
1: Only what only what we got from headquarters. That's
0: hard for me to imagine, but okay. Oh,
1: yeah. you got to understand, we didn't have radios. Yeah, Today, yeah. everybody's got a radio or something in their hand they can know exactly what's going. We did not. The FM radios that we had were useless. They didn't work in the jungles and in mountainous areas. I mean, there were there were areas that we had a fight. I remember going up. Um, one of the biggest battles, one of the biggest battles we were held up, we couldn't advance because we had to go into this valley and there was a mountain peak on either side of the valley and every time we tried to go through the valley they'd rain artillery down on us. So, what they did was take a a ninety millimeter cannon, a okay. small one. Took it apart, and they carried it hand up one one mountain.
0: They took, and, the Japanese took apart a ninety millimeter.
1: No, cannon. we did. Oh, we did. Yeah, we we carried one, one cannon up the mountain, and so we could see on the opposite mountain where they can where their artillery was. And when they pulled out their artillery out of a cave. We fired in on them and silenced them so we were able to move through the valley.
0: But still, I mean that's I've seen those before and I've seen the one hundred fives. Those aren't like
1: No one oh five is a big Right, it's a big, big yeah, yeah. Ninety is smaller. Smaller but much still much smaller. To to,
0: to man carry
1: that yeah, piece by well pipe. you get a whole bunch of guys you can yeah. move you can move mountains. Okay, like a bunch of ants, all right.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, one of my one of my fellow podcasters, uh, friends, her name is uh, Mistress Carrie. We were talking about you and, and this opportunity to talk with you. And, and I say, you know, what should I ask Caster? Because this is just, again, this is just a, a big moment. You know, I'm, I'm 50 years younger than me. This happened almost 70 plus years ago in your life. And you're telling me like it's yesterday. And she, I'm paraphrasing here, but. She was like, "What kind of decisions, or what was the, what was the biggest decision you had to make while you were in the Philippines?"
1: Well, one thing I I don't know about the decision, but one thing I learned is, and I learned a lot of this in training too, is you learned how to live with other men, and you learn how to respect them, because they were they were your back they were your backup. You had to trust everybody. So, the decisions were, you never left anybody behind. You made sure you took care of them. So, decisions, most of the decisions were made by the officers. Right. You never made your own decisions.
0: That's, that's true then and true now. Um, as the war wound down, yeah, I watched the movies, the John Wayne movies and the Black Sheep Squadron, Pappy Boynton and all that. Yeah, That's what I had as a kid, right? And, you know, I watched the old wartime movies. What was the feeling like when you all started to realize that you might come home or win this thing?
1: When we might come home and what? The war was
0: won. America or, was won. Oh,
1: winning. actually, when we I got news from headquarters that we had dropped an atom bomb and no, none of us knew what an atom bomb was. We had no idea. So, we waited anxiously until we got the thing and when they said that the war was over. And then our job was to gather all the Japanese that we could and bring them down to Manila for repatriation.
0: Well, I was going to ask you how did the F- Filipinos take all this? Because
1: oh, they hated the Japanese with really? vengeance. In an instance, I had as we were doing a repatriation, we'd load them onto cattle onto boxcars and, and only men. Uh, I actually I actually took a woman nurse down to Manila by jeep. By G- uh, because they wouldn't let her ride with uh, with uh, in a boxcar full of men, but the train would stop an hour or two hours, and men would leave, jump off and relieve themselves, and they'd hop back in again when the train whistle blew. They would not be left behind because the Filipinos would cut their heads off if they catch them. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Because the Japanese were brutal to the Filipinos, and we didn't see many civilians at all during the war. Oh, really? They were, yeah. They stayed away from any war activity.
0: Well, didn't, didn't the Japanese, like, build tunnels in the mountains and had an underground bunkers and stuff?
1: They hid during the day. We rarely saw them during the day, mostly at night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Most most of our big battles were fought at night, not during the day. They'd hide in foxholes and wherever.
0: So, this must have been stressful sometimes, trying just to stay alive or get some sleep and all the stuff you read about.
1: Well, we had an arrangement where We form a uh, a group of men surrounding the campsite, or rather the battery. Each battery had its own position, and we'd have soldiers posted all around that night. And and of course, you also had the problem with wild animals coming in. uh, Yeah, tigers and and snakes. uh, Well. Big, big, um, big animals. <laughs> come on. In fact, one at one time the Japanese gathered a herd of uh, water buffalo. What? And stampeded them toward us and ran overran our position with the you know, with the wild buffalo.
0: So, so you know, your buddies and you are standing fire watch at night. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you see this herd of water buffaloes heading to you all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did your officers tell you
1: to uh, do? Every man for himself.
0: <laughs> I, you can't make this stuff up. This is just something else. Now
1: Yeah I gotta tell you another gotta, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We trained we I said we trained in Texas and before we left Texas to go to California, they just to show us a new vehicle. Uh it was a full track vehicle, very narrow track, carried ten men and would a and tow a how it's up. Okay. Nice. We we could race along the roads and train with that. Of course, when we got to, to uh, the Philippines, we had to get, we had to get rid of them. They could the minute they got into soft ground or into the rice paddies, they sank in the mud, and that's because of a narrow track, oh, they couldn't no. get themselves out of the way. So they. We got to towing our houses with a jeep. The good old jeep. With a jeep. We towed them, and, and I, we had this new HD1 Caterpillar track a very wide track, but very slow. So they catch up with us later in the day or the next day.
0: Yeah, because, like you said, the 105 is a big gun. Yeah, a big gun.
1: Yeah.
0: Well… That just goes to show that sometimes the guys in development don't know what the guy on the ground knows.
1: Yeah, if there were paved roads that we were on, it would have been fine. (laughs) That, That didn't work.
0: Now, did you, now during all this, did you hear from your family? Were you getting letters or anything?
1: We got letters pretty, pretty much so, yeah. Sometimes we wouldn't get them for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden you get two or three, you know. The uh, f- food that they sent was forget that. By the time we got it, it was moldy or
0: <laughs> yeah, because the, the well, it's thirty days to get to yeah. Guinea.
1: Well, besides that, they were probably sitting on a hold of a ship where it was hot as hell.
0: Right, right.
1: And uh, uh, even the cigarettes that they used to issue, that they were moldy. You couldn't smoke them. And uh, and some of the other stupid things I remember. They used it as chocolate, tropical chocolate. And it was great. You grind it up and put it in your cup and heat it up over boil you know, over a fire. Trouble was that stuff never melted. I don't know what the hell they made that chocolate out <laughs> of. <and I was, laughs>
0: so it was like a block It was
1: a block, yeah. And you grind it, you know, cut it up with your knife and put it in your cup, and hopefully you'd hope it would melt, wouldn't melt.
0: I, I never did that with my MREs, ever. I, I think, I think we, yeah, we had like, we didn't have well, that. you got
1: to remember, this was the beginning of tropical war for us. We knew nothing about tropical right, war. Right, right. And uh, it's uh, one of, one of the biggest losses we had uh one night we were, uh, the Japanese would sit on the on the top of mountain peak and sit on the other side of the peak and look down at us they'd pull their guns up over the peak and fire on us then pull back uh it was dusk one night they started raining down artillery on us and uh, one round landed in our in a foxhole that contained all our cooks. Killed them all at once. Uh, I think it's uh, I don't remember how many there were, but I think it was at least five or six.
0: Well, that's hard. Yeah. I mean, the loss of life one thing, but people don't understand how well, important cooks are. Get
1: around to land directly in a in a foxhole. That's there was no getting away from that. Right.
0: As you, as you go through this though, and you hear about the atom bomb going off, there was no doubt this is the right place for you to be. Did you ever doubt yourself?
1: No, yeah. never. No. So we time- never never thought about when the war was going to end, though. I never. Did it. Just, just day to day, took it as it came. Well, it's
0: just we're seeing in Ukraine where sometimes the the different soldiers are like, I don't know why I'm even here, and it it doesn't seem that way reading about your story. Well,
1: we knew that we knew the brutality of the Japanese, what they were doing to the Filipinos, and uh, so there was no doubt why we were there.
0: What was coming home like?
1: Ah, that's a whole another story. Okay. As I told you, I got, had got a. Um, tropical disease, uh, fungus, and I was in—it got so bad I couldn't walk, I had it all over my feet and my hands. So they brought me uh, down to Manila, I was in a hospital in Manila, and, and then they, uh, I got on a was sent home on a hospital ship, which was a, kind of a small ship, flat bottom, twin screw, never meant for ocean use, I'm sure, and because the Philippines are a thousand islands, and we during the night we zigzagged amongst all these islands out into the open ocean and uh, we hit the rear end of a typhoon, and this ship was never meant for that, and it would 40 foot waves was not, I mean, you couldn't see the top of them.
0: And how, how, how long is this ship? This, like, a small, like 30, 40 foot?
1: Oh, no, it was probably maybe 200 foot.
0: Okay, so small, though, still?
1: This is a small, about two, three, maybe 300 foot. I don't remember. What I remember is that patients that could walk were in the front of the ship and the rear of the ship. Those that couldn't walk were in the center. But everybody got sick. The doctors were sick. The nurses were sick. I, I got sick. I don't think I got out of bed for 12 days. I was so sick. But I mean, going up and down like a yo-yo. Well,
0: 40 feet is like a four-story, five-story yeah, building. You couldn't
1: see the top. You couldn't see the top of the wave. We'd climb up like a mountain, just chug our way up to the top, and we down like a roller coaster, down the other side.
0: That's crazy. Um,
1: uh, I won't, to this day, I won't go on a ship in the ocean. You're done. I'm done. <laughs> People want me to go on these these ships for a vacation. No way. No way. I'm not, I won't go on the ocean. Well, I don't blame you. I mean, uh,
0: how long were you on this ship? Like a, like a month or well, so? Well,
1: coming back, we did it in, in uh, I think, uh, 18 days. So, for the
0: majority of your trip, you're sick and in a storm.
1: Yep. What happens
0: when you touch American soil for the first time?
1: You mean coming back? Coming back, yeah. Oh, that was a beauty. That was wonderful. Yeah? And uh, we... uh, It was almost... Not quite Christmas. The day before Christmas when we landed. And they brought us into this open area, and they, they had all kinds of food laid out for us and drinks. And I hadn't tasted fresh milk in, what, three years? <laughs> so I grabbed a bottle of what I thought was milk, and of course it was buttermilk, and I was threw up right there. Uh, so, but then I was invited to. Um, they were, almost everybody was invited to pr- private homes for Christmas. Oh,
0: that's great.
1: Yeah. Uh, I did not get to a private home, but I went to a private uh, hall where they had uh, music and dancing and bringing in the uh, New Year.
0: Now, did you and have they'd... a girlfriend or wife when during the war or did you get married afterwards?
1: No, there were no civilians. Okay. As I said, they, we never ran across civilians. Okay. So, uh, uh, and then they put me on a hospital train and went straight to West Virginia, uh, uh, Greenbrier. Okay. And, uh, and we was there in the hospital for a couple of days, which, interestingly enough, had all German German nurses that uh, were actually prisoners of war that were there, acting as nurses.
0: So, they brought German Nurses who were prisoners. No, no, of, they were men. They were men. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, I, they must have been prisoners of war that were working for the for the U.S. Army. Get out. Yeah, the Greenbrier. They could today speak. you couldn't afford to go to Greenbrier. <laughs> that,
0: this is just unbelievable. So you 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 come from the West Coast to West Virginia. You're being In a hospital train. Hospital train. I, hospital
1: train. In the, I lay in a cot and I had to sleep in a bed all day for, for two days. Probably. Two, day, two or three days it took across, across the country.
0: Wow. Yeah. How long were you in West Virginia for?
1: Uh, about three or four days. And then I went home. And I spent the week, I believe, a week at home, and then I was one, I was discharged from there.
0: What was it like coming home? It's been three years, you haven't seen your
1: friends or family. Oh. It was very strange. The thing we missed most of all was camaraderie. You went home, and you missed being with a bunch of guys.
0: Your your boys, your crew, your, yeah. your, your squad, yeah.
1: And got to the point where we'd all get all every even if we didn't know each other we got at the local pub or Lego bar and just just to just to be with somebody and talk right yeah
0: it, it's funny in a way that's the same thing that a lot of people including myself felt when i got out there was the people that you had worked with and and you'd take a bullet for them and, and yes they would for you gone yeah. What do you do?
1: I hated that. I, I missed. I missed that.
0: But were you part of the VFW after World War II and all that? Uh,
1: I think I joined. I think I joined the VFW and the American Legion. But I wasn't active in it at that time. I became very active when I moved up here to Massachusetts. I belong to the uh, Disabled American Veterans. Um, I became commander. Uh, I'm now um, also, I'm still at the DAB and I'm also a member of the American Legion. And I'm also um, a part of the advisory group at Town Veterans Office.
0: So it's 100 years old and you are still serving.
1: Oh, yes. Now, I'm very active in the uh, Veterans Affairs. Now, now, why is
0: that? Some some veterans are like, okay, I served or I'm done. Why do you continue to serve?
1: Hmm. I don't know. You know, I just need to be with them. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. In fact, I had my 100th birthday party and I had a wonderful, and people asked me, what can we give you? I said, if I don't have it by a hundred, I don't need it. <laughs> so I said, if you want to give something, make a contribution to the veterans that are needy. And I got, I got a lot, I got a large contribution from people to give to the veterans office and who distributes it to those needy veterans. Uh,
0: again. I'm I'm, I'm 50 years old. You were 50 when I was born. I, I want to be you when I'm 100, <laughs> Caster. It, well, it just goes to show you some some people, like what can I do or how can I help? You know, or I'm too old. I'm like, no, you're not too old. Not too old. Not too old at all.
1: Oh, I can't I I can't sit still and. You no. Can't do
0: it. No. Got to keep moving.
1: I gotta keep moving. That's an old saying. I might keep moving on that barrier.
0: I remember that one. I remember that one. Well, it's just, again, you know, David Danforth from the Veterans Brotherhood approached me uh, about, you know, talking with you. And and like I said, I came down there and we're talking before the motorcycle ride. And it, it was just like, wow. I mean, so many things had to happen to make this happen. I feel really honored to be here. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, well, I enjoy being with that. Pet. By the way, that that motorcycle group was a great bunch of guys. They contribute a lot to, like I say, I'm part of the uh, veterans organizations. And I also am um, a member of the NA uh, uh, North Alabama, Friends of the Veterans, NAVF, yeah. Okay. Um, which is a separate corporation, uh, which I'm part of the members. And we collect funds, and usually they're contributed by local people, these funds. And we put on a, a, a picnic for the uh, veterans and their families every 4th of, Ju- 4th of July. And we do also do a Christmas party every 4th of July. I mean, every Christmas. Um, and the that motorcycle group pays for all the food for our picnic area on 4th of July.
0: Well, that's the thing, talking with David, you know, your service, you know, makes what he does for veterans inspires him. I mean, your service, your example inspires me. I'm, I'm, I'm like, sometimes I feel old. I'm like, I can't say that anymore, Caster. <laughs> I can't say that anymore. I'm like, a hundred year old man who's well, running circles well, around
1: me. Look at it this way. I say, hey, you're still a young guy. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it, it's just, um, it, it's really amazing. As, as you've done all this with veterans and for veterans from from some people long ago till now. What do you say to veterans who are trying to find their way after they've served and they're trying to deal with being alone? What's the best way to deal with that?
1: You know, my whole thing is if if you're if you're not a social person, you're gonna be left in a cold. You've got to learn how to deal with people, how to learn to be friends with people, even if you're not, even if you don't like them, just, you can talk to them, you can be a, be a talking friend, if you would, I I being alone is the worst thing you can do. Don't be alone. But, and, uh. I found that out. Uh, that's why I like to be with veterans. I work for them. i be happy to be with them.
0: Well, this is amazing. So I'm going to lean down here again because uh, this is the man right here. I let me get over here. So, this is the truth. I'm 50. Mr. S- uh, Castor here is 100. So he was 50 when I was born, and we're talking here. He served in World War II. We're both veterans, and it's just it's just been an honor. It's been a real honor being here. Well, it's been, it's
1: been my pleasure to, to be with you and talk to you.
0: Well, I'll definitely have to come down and check out some of your events, and uh, this might be the last time we see each other. And uh, I have just... Uh, I'm, I'm
1: well, if you're it. around at Christmas time and like to spend Christmas with us, we'll be happy to have you.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll make that happen. I'll even sing a Christmas carol for you.
1: <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's wonderful.
0: I, that's a promise. That's a promise. Well, I'm Travis with Oscar Mike Radio. I'm with Catherine Salemi, World War II veteran, Army veteran, and uh, it's just been a great moment. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I will say this: those those Marines took the brunt of it. They did. They did. I, when I when I saw that island hopping that the, that the Marines did, uh, my heart bled for them guys.
0: Okay, so, because I've never had anybody tell me what that was like. I've seen the pictures of them hauling the machine guns and the Jeeps just in mud up to the hood. Yeah. And they're still having to go there, and they had to... Because the Japanese were so embedded in the
1: island. Yeah, they were. Yeah.
0: And they were told to fight to the death, and the Japanese wouldn't surrender.
1: See, by the time we reached uh, the Philippines, uh, they had to realize, I think at that point, they had already lost the war. So they were fighting a battle just to stay alive at that time and they just destroyed everything as they backed up
0: Did you did you agree with the bombing drops would it have taken
1: longer That's been a tough thing for me Really Yeah uh, I realized that it probably saved many lives American lives but I also realized how many innocent people were killed That's yeah. hard to come to can say yes, you know, one way or the other. It's, it's a question I always have in my mind.
0: It certainly was. I mean, because the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps, and the Army were so entrenched trying to get to the, the, the mainland Japan.
1: Yeah, but I, I, you know, I, my heart goes out for the thousands that were killed who had nothing to do with. The way the country was run, they're just innocent people.
0: Right, I had no idea what was going to go on. Yeah,
1: well, they did the same thing in Germany when they firebombed. What was it? That city killed thousands.
0: It, it, it was something, uh, and it, it's a it's a wars fought differently now. I, I don't know if, if if you'd ever wage war like that again.
1: But today, it's today, it's even worse. It is. Yeah.
0: in in what way?
1: Because they got weapons now that are much more destructive than the ones we had. Even the atom bombs that they're making today are twice as powerful or more than twice as powerful. They've been talking about using hydrogen bombs, which just blows my mind.
0: It was... I learned... From my grandfather, from my time in the service, that everybody said World War One was supposed to be the last war, and then World War Two was supposed to be it. Do you ever think we'll get to a time where there's no war? No. No.
1: No. As long as you've got idiots like Putin.
0: How, in your mind, then? How brave the people of Ukraine fighting for their country?
1: I think they're very brave and uh, unfortunately, I don't know that they're going to win.
0: It's hard, right? If they can't...
1: And what do they got left that took their country to being totally destroyed?
0: It just seems now that it's just being, he's just attacking to attack it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to end. I am very, very, very sad for those people. It, it is
0: sad, and, and I think you're right. I think you know we're never going to get to a point where we don't have some kind of conflict.
1: No, as long as we have we have people that going to have a say over what happens to a country like Putin. What do you do? What can you do? I mean, we My my thought was, why don't we drop a couple of bombs on him instead of him dropping all the ones on on the Ukraine? But you never know. With an idiot like him, he may decide to use an atom bomb. Right. And then then we got another situation.
0: You, you've got him. You've got uh, Kim Jong in uh, North Korea. There, there's yeah. some crazy people out there. People out there, I just um, again, I'm just getting chills, you know, talking with you like this. Um, there's just so much knowledge here. Uh, I, I can't wait to see you again. But, um, do you ever I'll close like this: do you ever think back to your buddies you served with in the Philippines
1: today? But what
0: do you ever think back? To the buddies you served with in the Philippines?
1: Oh, yeah. I lost the last one of my buddies two years ago. There's none left. I had made friends with a uh, Marine who was a lot younger than I was, and uh, he just passed away two a year ago. So really, that's the trouble of getting old. You're, you have no more friends. So the friends I have are those young people that I'm working with, or trying to do, be with.
0: Well, hopefully you have a lot of those because. Yeah, I do.
1: Uh, I think the evidence of hundred people at my birthday party was a really good evidence.
0: Yes, yes, that's amazing. Yeah. David told me he went there and had a great time, and it yeah. was just awesome. was awesome. Well, again, I want to thank you for taking
1: the time to talk with me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a real honor. I'm very impressed that you were a Marine. Oh well thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Um, just
1: you not were a Marine, but you are a Marine, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's all
0: right. It's all right. I mean you I am not gonna make a big deal of it, but uh, You should. I should?
1: Yes. You well, should be proud of that. I am proud. I am proud. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right.
0: Well again I'm with Castro Salemi, the the man that he's not he is a legend and uh a legend <laughs> yeah you're a legend Ah, absolutely absolutely so uh i'll be talking to you and um this please
1: I, pre- I wish you would keep in contact right i'm going to yeah i'd like that
0: all right i'm going to i guess i'm singing it in that for christmas ladies and gentlemen it's going yeah, absolutely to- <laughs> all right we'll put it down very good Well, if you say an Ostermic radio, we are mission flight. This has been an amazing experience, and uh, we'll be back on soon. Take care.